There's a few people who have, have joined us now. Uh, welcome, you guys, and thank you for joining us on Colin uh, for Unruly with Ryan and Rob. This is your co-host, Ryan Knight, and I'm excited to be joined by our other co-host, Rob Bermudez. What's up, Rob? What's up? Welcome to all the comrades. Very excited to, uh, to get back on the microphone today. It's good to have you back uh, on the show and healthy. Um, look, I, I wanted to talk about uh, how independent voters have uh, completely abandoned Joe Biden uh, in recent polling. Uh, there, was a, there was an episode this week, actually, where uh, there, one of the White House reporters asked Biden a question, a very honest question about uh, th- this, these latest poll numbers. And um, it w- it's a New York Times uh, Siena College poll. And uh, in the poll, they asked uh, Democratic voters, uh, do you want Joe Biden to run for office again? And almost two thirds of Democratic voters said they did not want Joe Biden to run again. Uh, But then there was a second question. uh, There was a second question posed to uh, Democratic voters in the poll. And it said, well, if if Biden was the was the nominee again and he was uh, going up against Trump, would you vote for him? And 92% of Democrats uh, said they would. And what was interesting, though, is so the reporter asked Biden, um, the new poll says that that two-thirds of Democrats don't even want you to run again. And Biden comes back and he says, listen, Jack. And first of all, I don't know why he calls everyone Jack, uh, but (laughs) I don't think that every reporter, uh, his name is Jack. I just I find it just kind of funny that he he, his that's always his flippant remark. Listen, Jack, he says it to voters, too. But uh, he he came back to the reporter who asked an honest question. Literally two-thirds of Democrats said they wouldn't, would, don't want Biden to run. And he goes, well, no, 92% of Democrats will vote for me again, which was a separate poll question. But the reason I bring all this up is they, they both missed the headline because if you actually go into the poll and you look into the crosstabs, the real story is that it, the crosstabs show that independent voters have left Biden in a big way. So uh, in 2020, one of the reasons he won is he got 52% of independent voters. Uh, well, they asked independent voters in this recent uh, New York Times poll uh, if you would vote for Joe Biden in 2024, and th- only 37% of independent voters said they will vote for Joe Biden. So he's lost 16 points with independents, and there is no path to the White House uh, for, for Joe Biden and, and the Democrats in 2024 uh, if uh, he's only going to get 37 percent of independents. Uh, sometimes, you know, politics in this country have be- has become so tribal and so partisan that, you know, each party thinks, you know, each party thinks they're, they're all that matter. Well, actually, no, 43 uh, percent of voters in America are independent. Independents now outnumber both Democrats and Republicans. Uh, Democrats are about 27% of voters, and Republicans are a little under 27%. So how it shakes out for, for the presidential elections is independents are really the bellwether. They decide, uh, you know, they, whichever way independents swing uh, is, is how the White House swings. So I just find it so funny that, you know, Biden very aggressively to the reporters, like, oh, 92% of Democrats will vote for me. Well, actually, Biden... Uh, that doesn't matter when uh, you only have 37% of independents who, who will vote for you. There's no path. And while this spells doom for Democrats, uh, which, you know, I don't care because, again, the Democratic Party is a lost cause. Voting for them is fool's gold. Uh, they betray us every time they have power. And, and so – but what I think – I don't care that it's doom for the Democrats. Good. What, but what it, spe- what it spells opportunity for, I think, and what I think – 
more than any more than any time I think in recent history is that when you have 37% of independent only 37% of independents will vote for Joe Biden and there was another poll a few weeks ago that 58% of all voters said that they would be open to supporting an independent presidential candidate uh, in a contest between uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump in 2024 that was a Harvard Caps Harris poll so what I'm getting at here is I think that with how the Democrats have governed and with how with what a disaster this country is right now and with inflation at a record high uh, and, and the Democrats just continuing to give more money to the military uh, and blame everything on Russia and Republicans. Uh, I think independents have, have, have said very loudly and clearly that they're done with, with the Democrats. Both parties are wildly unpopular with the American people. So I think that this is a historic election for and a golden opportunity for an independent or third-party candidate to, to really make some waves. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on that, that Rob? Well, I think another key thing that the, the, the Democrats have done is they've alienated um, Hispanic voters and they've alienated young voters, which is, yep. um, you know, the, the Hispanics represent the largest growing demographic in the country. And young people are supposed to be like the future of whatever party because, you know, 10, 20 years from now, those those young voters that they should be trying to excite and entice and say, oh, we're going to cancel all student debt. We're going to make college free. We're going to legalize weed. These are things that would be very popular with young people. They have the authority to do it. They have the ability to do it, and they choose not to. So they've alienated multiple parts of their base. And and I think the, the thing to understand, I forget which article it was in, but there was someone within Biden's circle, and, and they were basically saying that, you know, it's these activists that are getting all they're out of step with what the with the Democrat, uh, the, the you know, the rest of the party wants. And it's like they're taking their most active members, the ones that are most willing to fight and camp and, and go canvassing and knock on doors, the the like kind of heart of these campaigns that they should be. And they're saying, well, they no longer represent the Democratic Party. It's like they they talk as if they have all the votes in the world. So we don't need your vote. If you're young, if you're Hispanic, if you're poor, if, if you're questioning us, we well, you know, screw you. But then they turn around and say, well, it's more important than ever. We need you to vote for us. So there will be a reckoning um, in terms of a third party candidate. I would love to see it. Um, my one concern though, uh, well, I have many concerns, but one big concern is this push to get um, green party candidates kicked off of ballots. A lot of, Judicial challenges, I think, are going to be very difficult to surpass because it's not just a corrupt president. It's not just a corrupt Congress. The judiciary in this country is is absolutely outrageous. And when you look at um, – I forget what his name is. He's, he's talking with us next week, I believe, um, from North Carolina who's you know received over 15,000 signatures to get put on the ballot and then Democratic uh, – operatives come and they sue to get him kicked off the ballot because he's a green party. And, you know, they're sending, sending out these texts, sending people knocking on doors. Hey, you signed this. Are you sure? Even though it might give a better chance for a Republican to win, like you can tell the Democrats are desperate. They, they know that the people are mad with them and they, instead of trying to appease the people with even just some like mild reforms and policies, they're, they're digging their heels in and saying, well, we're not going to actually do what it takes. We're just going to keep trying to like, uh, move the move the goalposts in terms of well, we'll we're going to make sure there's no one running to the left of us so that we what you're going to vote for the Republicans that's that's been their motto since I've been alive and you know 
even if we did get an independent running and and actually won the nomination for for presidency, I think that would objectively be a good thing. I'm also just concerned if there is a president who is worth voting for who wants to have these massive reforms, Medicare for all. I mean, we're still in a pandemic, so emergency Medicare for all isn't something that that's out of the reach of the president. The president can at any time do that, but we've seen that the response to COVID and now monkeypox has been um, very much underwhelming. I'm just very afraid at the, you know, the Supreme Court has been acting very emboldened to do whatever they want, overturning uh, whether it's abortion rights, whether it's, you know, um, the ability to, uh, what is it? They just had a ruling that was like, in certain places you can withhold um, DNA evidence for like an appeal if, if you've been convicted of murder or something like that. And it's like, I don't understand. It's like they're in a lab cooking up. What's the evil, what most evil things we can do? And so if we do get an independent president that says, Hey, I'm going to use these executive orders. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I think it's going to be a long challenge from, you know, appellate courts at the state level, federal level, and then the oh, Supreme Court. So look, I mean, when you have a, the entire system is corrupt, right? But so yes, I mean, the, the, but the point is, is that we have to do something. You know, I think that, you know, the greatest show that the U.S. capitalist oligarchy puts on every four years is its sham, election, sham elections, where the people are forced to choose between two parties that actively work against the people's interests and work for the ruling class's interests. And we have to disrupt the show. We have to use the vehicle that the ruling class uses to control the people which is our, you know, our bourgeoisie elections. And we need to fill, field a, a candidate that will expose the two-party system for what it is and present the people uh, with an alternative and, and a different path forward. You know, I think that direct action and, and building social movements that, that challenge the capitalist oligarchy are also very important and just as critical. But we cannot just keep conceding uh, every four years to these two parties who work against us, especially when the people are telling us uh, that they wildly disapprove of both parties and that they want better choices. You know, I think that one of the things I think is very important is like we give way too much power to both of these parties, to the Democrats and the Republicans. We give too much power to CNN and MSNBC and Fox News because when the polling shows that only 27% of voters are Democrats and another, tw another quarter of voters, about 26% of voters are Republicans, but the actual majority of voters, of, of, of eligible voters, are independents at 43%. And independents, they're independent for a reason because they're sick and tired of both parties. They're sick of both parties pitting us against each other and, and, and betraying the American people uh, every time they hold power and working for Wall Street and, and the military industrial complex. And so I think that for both parties, it, it's about narrative control, it's about messaging, it's about propaganda to keep their bases locked into the duopoly and, and fear into a political system that's rigged against us. So that's why I think we need to get candidates to provide a different message uh, and, and a candidate that can kind of, if we can get a candidate on that debate stage and you only need 15 to be polling at 15% uh, in the general to make the presidential debates, you can get a, a popular third party uh, independent candidate that can definitely pull 15% when both parties, again, are this unpopular. This is like, you know, there's a cascading effect here. You know, in 2016, Hillary and Trump were both very unpopular. You know, our elections have turned into you're not actually voting for 
the person who's, who's running for president because both parties are so unpopular. You're voting against the other party, right? You're voting against your opponent instead of voting for a positive agenda to move this country forward. So now in 2020, again, both candidates, wildly unpopular. So I just think there's a perfect space. You know, people can make all these excuses. Oh, but it's too hard. Oh, it's impossible. We're a two-party system. You know what? <laughs> At some point in human history, people thought that the divine right of kings uh, was, was unbeatable and was never going to go away. You know, uh, the Roman Empire thought it was uh, invulnerable and no one could defeat it. You know, the, the story of, of human history is a story of empires collapsing, of corrupt systems collapsing. And, and at the heart of why they always collapse, it's because of greed. It's because the people get so fed up with the corruption and they fight back against the, the system and, and, the, and the rulers who, who keep the system in place. And so I just, you know, you have all these a- analysts can say whatever they want. Well, what the polls tell us that, that both parties are wildly unpopular. And so I just think it's a golden opportunity for, for a third party run. And I think it's a huge miss if we don't do it. I absolutely agree. We should have a third party candidate running. I, I, I believe that that's a good thing for the, for the psyche of America. I mean, how damning is it that you have a majority of Democrats like, yeah, Joe Biden, we don't like him. We don't approve of the job he's doing. He's underwhelmed at every single opportunity. There was no build back better. That got trashed because they couldn't see through, I guess, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema doing what they are paid to do to be, you know, uh, to be the rotating villains. Uh, the damning thing is when you have 92% of people say, yeah, I fucking hate Joe Biden, but you know, push comes to shove. I'm still going to vote for him. That to me shows me people are still at the end of the day, they're going to get caught up in the whole harm reduction. Well, let me do what's best. That's where we have to, that's where we have to provide the real narrative. Because again, you're giving those, those Democrats too much power because Democrats are at the end of the day. I was a Democrat for 18 years. Democrats are followers. They're just going along with what the party apparatus says. They're going along with what Pelosi says, with what Biden says, with what Obama says. And it doesn't matter what they say. Because Democrats are not the majority in this country. 92%. So Joe Biden has 92% of Democrats. That's only 27% of the electorate. So we need to focus on the 43% of the electorate who are already telling us that they're independent. They don't want to be registered with either of these parties. I myself am an independent. Now, independents are a very diverse group. (laughs) You have people that are to the left of the Democratic Party. You have people who are libertarians that call themselves independents. You have people who are socialists. You have people who are moderates. Again, it's a very mixed bag, but, but what I think is important is to stop giving both the Democrats and Republicans, these parties, so much power when the people are telling us that they're over both parties. You know what I mean? Like, who cares if 92% because at the, po- the point that the dam finally breaks, those people who were following the, the Democratic Party and the people who were following the Republican Party, when the dam breaks and we actually have another viable option, those people are going to become running over and like, oh, yeah, yes, the duopoly is bad. You know, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, we're the ones who are the disruptors. We have, we have to have the courage to show people to blaze a new trail. People are always going to follow because they're scared, they're afraid, and also because that's what the Democrats do very well. Their entire message is vote for us because the other team is bad. When, when you actually unpack what the Democrats do – Their policies are the same as the Republicans when it comes to all the important issues, when it comes to the economy, when it comes to Wall Street, when it comes to to military, immigration, endless wars, immigration, policing, more money for it. I mean, 
the, the both parties agree on 98% of the agenda. And that agenda helps the 1%. It helps the rich. So I just think that's the whole point I, I, why I wanted to have this show tonight was we have to stop giving power to the 92% of Democrats who, who they said in the poll, 60% of them goes, no, we don't want Joe Biden to run. But then the, the next question is, well, if he does, will you vote for him? And 92% said, yes, I'm sorry, but you're weak. <laughs> if you don't want Joe Biden to run, then come and help us build independent parties. Vote, I voted green in 2020 because I finally had enough of the fear mongering and I wasn't playing the Democrats game anymore. You know, they're rigged duopoly game. So, so Ryan, the point is important to, to push back on these like, Oh, 92% of Democrats. That was Biden's message to the reporter. Oh, but 92% will vote for me. Well, yeah, that doesn't get you the election when Democrats are not only represent 27% of the electorate in the first place. Oh, I guess what I'm trying to say is 92% of people with nothing on the line said they were still going to vote for Biden. That's the frustrating thing is it's a goddamn poll. They could have easily said, you know what? Fuck Joe Biden. I ain't voting for him no matter what. And those numbers could have said only 60%. And then maybe you put a little bit of scare in the elites and they're like, oh shit. Well, if they're really not good. But again, the, the, the problem is that people don't want to take a stand. I also am no longer a Democrat. I also voted Green Party in 2020. I, I think you have to try again. The point I'm, I, that I would say is like, when you talk about the fall of Rome, when you talk about the fall of these civilizations, it wasn't because they voted for a third party or there were elections. It was like a huge, overwhelming rebellion from the masses. And I think that's, you know, as long as politicians, Democrats, Republicans, and even even independent candidates, you know, like we say they're better than Democrats and Republicans because they are, but like Bernie Sanders was an independent, and we saw that he still, when push came to shove, was saying, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll help the Democrats and stuff. So I think voting he, is a very imperfect solution. Of, he ran inside of the, the corrupt Democratic apparatus. I mean, if Bernie would have ran as a real independent and actually ran against both corrupt corporate parties, I think that he would have had a much – I think that it would have done much more for this country, even if he didn't win. See, again, it's it's – when both when it doesn't when you get to the point where you realize that whoever wins the election, you know, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, when these two parties are in charge, the people lose every time and the ruling class are the ones who win and big business is the ones who win. So when you realize we can just use these the, what we need to use elections for, especially the presidential election, is we need to use it as a tool to expose to a broader audience that how corrupt the duopoly is, and also to just to get people fired up. Again, 58% of all voters are saying they would like to see, they'd be open to seeing an independent or third-party candidate. So the people want it. It's just a matter of, of someone stepping up, having the courage to do it. Uh, and, and also it, it takes, like you said, it takes the voters having courage to not keep voting for the same parties who are actively working against us. You know, I think... You know, and I, I do think you're right, though, that it's going to require also a mass movement on the outside. I mean, again, electoral politics is not going to save us. But it, but if you just if we continue to allow Democrats and Republicans to have no op, real opposition uh, during these presidential elections and we can't get another candidate on the debate stage, it just gives these two parties more power. And it, and it really and it, and it starts to make the people feel powerless and that there is no hope and there is no other way. So I just think, again, we have to get. Give people the courage 
to, to, to start to help us build and invest and, and volunteer in these third parties. I mean, I got involved with the Green Party in 2020. And, and again, whether it's Libertarian, Green Party, a Socialist Party, I don't give a shit at this point. We just need more third parties to, to challenge these two parties in so addition Ryan, to pressure on the outside with, with look, direct action. Let me ask you a question then because, again, I'm, I'm not in – I'm not disagreeing with you on any of those things. Inevitably, come 2024, there will be a candidate that's running third party. There's going to be a Green Party candidate. There's going to be a Libertarian candidate. We might even see an independent candidate. So what happens when the Democrats go to sue to kick them off the ballot in Wisconsin again, right? Like what happens when well, – What we, happens – see, again – like We need a happens, plan because we know there's going to be fuckery. Is, is when the, the Democrats uh, just sued to kick a Green Party candidate off the ballot uh, in North Carolina. And uh, they uh, but the thing is, is it's backfiring because it's creating a, a movement of people who are seeing that. Wait a second. Why are the Democrats fighting harder against a Green Party candidate than they've ever fought against the Republicans? Why are they fighting harder to stop you know, this third party candidate than they're actually fighting for us to have a, a living wage and for us to have health care? You know, and so, again, it's it's about. It's about exposing the corruption. It's about challenging these two parties. And if the Democrats want to want to continue to uh, sue to kick third parties off ballots, let them do it. It shows that they're just as anti-democratic as the Republicans. It shows that they don't believe in democracy, despite all their phony speeches about, oh, vote for us and save democracy. So, again, what I'm saying is you're right. They're going to do that. But that's fine. We're going to keep charging forward anyways. You know, they kicked the Green Party off the ballot in like six states in 2020. Did that stop me from voting green? No. Should that have stopped anyone else from voting green? No. People wrote in, uh, wrote in Howie Hawkins in states where he was kicked off the ballot. And so all I'm saying is you're right. The Democrats and Republicans are going to do everything possible to protect their power. But it doesn't matter. Again, we have to continue to fight back in every avenue possible and use the election to, again, to, to expose to as big of an audience as possible how corrupt these parties are. And I think with the Democrats, it's about just finally saying no. We're not going to vote for you anymore. I don't care how much fear-mongering you do. I don't care if you call yourself the lesser evil. I don't care – you know, if you if you promise us the moon, because, again, every election, they're going to make all these new promises. But we know they don't that, that these promises never materialize because they're just saying get they, they use these promises every election cycle to keep us trapped in the duopoly. So for me, it's just it's again, it's just about fighting back against these two parties. And again, we right now there is there's going to be a Green Party candidate. I think that there's talk Jimmy Dore might run in the People's Party. I've had some differences with the People's Party, but I'm all for as many independent and third party candidates running as possible. I think that uh again, I think that in a real democracy, you have more choices, not less. Like well, we of course, but we're not a real democracy on the debate stage. Well, right. So we got to fight for it. If we yeah. want there My, to be democracy, so Ryan, we have to I, fight I, for choices. And I actually want to get let's ask let's ask the people if anyone wants to call in. I want to ask some people too. Like, uh, is anyone listening who who would be up for voting for a third party or independent uh, in 2024? Do you want to see an independent candidate running? Uh, do you think it's important to challenge these two parties or just concede the presidential election to them uh, every cycle? I, I think what I'm trying to say is there's a difference between conceding by saying I'm going to vote Democrat or Republican, and there's also conceding and they're going to challenge us in the courts. They're going to sue to get Green Party candidates kicked off. I don't want to just like 
vote to to try to send a message. I want to vote to win one of these days. And I think that by letting the Green parties get kicked off, like, you know, we've seen with the Supreme Court overturning abortion rights, what happened? You had massive protests, people in the streets, you had people going to these judges' houses with signs. Now, I encourage something a little more, you know, forceful than that. Don't let anyone know. But, you know, imagine if all the judges that are responsible for getting um Matthew, oh my goodness, how am I blanking on his last name so much? Matthew Hoy, thank you so much. If all the judges that are responsible for getting Matthew Hoy kicked off, if they had 100, 200, 300 people on their front lawn every day because people said this isn't democracy, that's what I'm talking about. And I mean like every single – I'm saying the same thing you're saying. We're just coming at it from different angles. Because when when you kind of made the argument, it sounded like you're like, well, we shouldn't we shouldn't fight back, or we should no, run we sh- we should fight we back. Should. I just want to, yeah. I just want to have a chance of winning, right? Like if we yeah. know they're gonna rat fuck us, if we know they're gonna step in and they're gonna adjust the rules to help themselves, we need to be ready and have a plan so that we we don't just keep letting them successfully kick people off the fucking ballot. That's well, that's what's Matthew, pissing we'll me talk off. To him next week, he does have a plan. He's suing them. Perfect. Uh, he's suing. Uh, uh, he's suing it. And actually, it wasn't judges who kicked him off the ballot. It was three Democrats uh, f- that are on the board of elections in North Carolina. It was just Democratic appointees on this board of elections that just made up some – literally, there's no basis for it. He got the 16,000 signatures. He got more. He got, he got more signatures yeah. over the threshold that's required to get on the ballot. And they just made up a bunch of BS and – Three Democrats voted to kick him off, and the two Republicans uh, voted to keep him on the ballot. And um, But he's suing, and again, this is creating a lot of energy. So again, you're right. It is annoying that, that they're going to rat fuck us, and they're going to push back. But that doesn't mean we stop fighting. We have to use every avenue at our disposal. And I think a lot of people, again, it takes time. I mean, it, what was it, 2017, when the DNC in court argued that they're allowed to uh, – they don't have to give Democratic primary voters an impartial or fair election uh, because a bunch of Bernie supporters sued the DNC after the 2016 debacle. And the DNC lawyer argued in court, well, we're a private corporation. We don't even owe it to the voters to give, to give them a fair and, and impartial primary. And actually, because we're a private corporation, if we want, we can go into a back cigar-filled room and just pick out the candidates. And what's so crazy about this actual story that happened when we actually had proof that the DNC is rigging its elections against progressive candidates, the majority of voters who lean progressive don't even know this happened because there's no media ecosystem to inform them, right? MSNBC is not running stories about the, the DNC fraud lawsuit. Uh, when WikiLeaks uh, and Julian Assange revealed just how rigged the primaries are and how they gave Hillary uh, Clinton debate questions ahead of time and didn't give them to Bernie and how they, they used the apparatus to support her nomination and, and not to support Bernie. When all this was revealed, we were, we were told the opposite. Oh, the DNC is under attack, <laughs> right? So – this is what we're fighting against. We're fighting against a media apparatus. We're fighting against a corporation that calls itself democratic and, and, and pretends to be a political party uh, that, that wants to continue to trap all, 
all leftward opposition to the oligarchy and its party so then it can water down all, all of the energy and, and eventually destroy it. And we've seen this happen over and over again for the last half century. So this is what we're up against. But it ju- I think it just means we need to be louder. Yes, we need to be smarter as well. And again, that's why I'm glad Matthew is suing. Um, and and we, what we need is, is, again, at the end of the day, the only way to beat the machine and to beat corporate power is with people power. So we need to keep building solidarity with as many people as possible. Um, and you're right. It is an uphill battle. It's going to take people getting in the street. Uh, but I also think we need some leaders. And so I think it would be awesome to have a good third-party candidate step up this cycle, especially seeing that, that independents are – done with Biden and they're over Trump too. Only 38% of independents support Trump. And that's actually what's crazy is Biden is doing such a bad job that uh, Trump is polling higher with independents than Biden is. I mean, that is how historically bad Joe Biden is right now. And I just think Democrats, the 92% of Democrats are never going to see that because they're propagandized by MSNBC. They're propagandized by Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and all the hope and change platitudes, which are really just bullshit to keep the people locked into a system that works against us. So I think we do need some leaders to step up. And and I just, I'd like to hear who people would like to see run. Uh, so we can kind of, you know, you know, who, does anyone want to like, what, what are people's thoughts? Come on guys. Don't be shy. <laughs> well, we wait for listeners to add to the queue. I, I, I think the way I'm looking at it is it just, it feels like we're, we're running the same way. We're just, okay, we'll just support a third party candidate in this way that we know they're going to run up against an unfeel, unfair playing field. Like I'm just trying to figure out like actual tangible things we can do differently this time that we're not running into the same fucking problems. We're not making the same mistakes because it's really deflating. And I think that one of the biggest issues with like independence being the majority of voters is I think a lot of those independents are turned off from politics because they're like the Republicans don't help. The Democrats don't help. And you know, there's no actual consolidated power within the independent. So what you have is a lot of people who are maybe registered independent or no party preference that are just non-voters. And that's the thing is why would they continue to try to support electoral politics when they've seen time and time again, when they've tried their candidates get decimated or they back a candidate in a duopoly party and they don't help. They're like, well, fuck this voting doesn't do anything. And it's very easy to fall into that, that kind of, like apathy and you know until it'd be wonderful if we had a third party candidate that won and used their power to help and that restored the energy of people and they said you know what i have been a non-voter the last x and y z elections but now now that i'm seeing it being used for the right reasons i'm gonna i'm gonna like be an active voter again but i think there's a lot of people who got for probably the wrong reasons excited to vote in 2020 because you know we just got to stop trump or we just got to do xyz and they saw exactly what their votes meant. Their votes didn't mean shit. Their votes mean we still get increased funding for military and police. We're getting expansion of border walls. We're getting more people detained at the border. We're getting war hawkish foreign policy. Biden's advisors are saying, yeah, we actually need 5% unemployment and we need, you know, less people in the workforce so there's more competition so that we can drive down prices. Like, I think there's a lot of people that are just not going to vote in 2024. And so finding a way 
to activate new voters and get them excited is going to be hard if you don't have something to show them like this is what we can do with our power. So it's kind of like the well, you got to break the dam so everything can start flowing. But it yeah. looks like we have a caller in Thomas. So why don't we uh, why don't we take him? Thomas, you're on. Go ahead and unmute yourself. Hey, Ryan. Uh, long time no chat. <laughs> probably probably since the People's Convention. Eons oh, hey. and eons ago. How's yeah, it going? Yeah. Uh, fine, fine, fine. Nice to bump into you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw this topic and I was like, well, hey, this is right up my alley. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, now is, uh, you know, strike while the iron's hot. I think, uh, you know, it it's really, it's, year after year after year it's just getting to be more and more uh apparent the disdain that the two parties have for their voting base and the democrats even more so yep. um and i just think you know we're getting to a we're getting to a, a breaking point sooner or later and i think uh this time around is going to be pretty bad and i really do believe you know if we go even maybe one or more to uh, you know maybe one two more terms uh you know, the candidates that are going to be on the field are going to be Hitler and Hitler light. Uh, light. I mean, you know, it's going to be bad. And, uh, you know, it, it we're, you know, it, it's not an understatement to say we're marching towards, uh, you know, uh, uh, a fascist uh, autocratic state. I mean, we're already halfway there now um, uh, under under the current policies of our government. But, you know, it's just going to be out in the open more. Uh, and, you know, with everything that the, uh, you know, uh, Supreme Court is doing right now, it's, it's, you know, the mask is coming off. Yep. And, uh, you know, to me, we have to start making serious attempts at mounting third party candidates. Um, you know, I, I heard, I heard supposedly that, you know, with the uh, one candidate in New York who was uh, running in the same district as AOC, for example, I guess the Greens, some greens came out to help with the canvassing for, I mean, help with the, uh, uh, ballot access petition, uh, for the libertarian candidate that was running there. So I thought that was really good. You know, it's not, you know, it's not saying we're, su we're supporting, you know, but the point is, is we want to get people on the ballot, even if, uh, you know, it, it, it's anybody other than the, than the, uh, two party, uh, duopoly at this point. But I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to take, uh, I, I see what your reasoning is, Rod, uh, Rob, with, you know, getting, uh, you know, making it clear to people that there are results, that there is a path forward to this, giving people confidence in voting third party, in voting independent. Um, and I think a lot of that has to start with the state and state elections and local elections. And I understand there is the case with, with, uh, Matthew Ho, I think is, is, is yep. that how he, his name's pronounced? Um, and who will uh, have on the show? Matthew's going to be on the show next week. So just to let him and, know. and, 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 and again, again, that was just a, you know, the reason why they were even able to do that is just because of the, you know, outlandish situation with how the, uh, you know, that, that local board of elections even operates there in North Carolina. Um, but, you know, we need to be throwing people at the wall, literally, in as many states as possible, in as many localities as possible, at as many levels as possible, 
um, at the, uh, you know, at the state and down. I mean, the reason why the Republicans have been able to cause such, uh, seismic shifts, uh, in the, uh, uh, in the political map, um, over the past, you know, it, it, as of late is because they've been playing a 50 state strategy at the state level and they've been slowly taking, you know, uh, taking victories at the, uh, in states, in municipalities, in shifting uh, what the local maps look like. And the thing is, and when they get in, they then cement their power further and through gerrymandering and other things like that. But the point is we have to, uh, you know, we've become so focused on the, the uh, you know, uh, federal three ring circus that we've lost sight of the fact that we have to fight these battles locally. Um and that's just my opinion. And so if we're if we're going to mount a fight at the federal level and a presidential run, we need to be able to get candidates out on the ground at the state level as well. And then those are going to have, you know, especially for like when bringing people out to vote, you know, let's say I have, you know, I was able to get in two or three candidates in my locality here municipally okay well those candidates can then mobilize their voting base to then turn out and help get the candidates over the line for the next level up the state and then those two levels can then help mobilize their existing voting base to get people up at the federal level and we just we're, we keep on trying to shoot for the federal election without a good foundation it's just my opinion and so you know, I, I, I think we are getting to the point. I mean, we, we do need to keep throwing people, you know, at the, the presidential race and we need to keep running people at the federal level and the, and the presidential. But we really should be focusing on building good foundations on the ground. That's just my opinion. You know, that's a that's a solid point. I think for me, I think we have to do all of the above. You know, one yeah. thing about the federal level is. And again, I keep going back to this, but at one point, the Republican Party was a, th- a quote unquote third party and they put the Whigs, it, you know, it used to be the Democratic Party mm-hmm. and the Whig Party and the Republicans got, you know, in, in a few election cycles, uh, they completely got rid of, uh, of the party and the Republicans, uh, you know, beat them out. So it has happened in our country's history where uh, a third party has won. Um, and again, I just think that for me, it's, it's the snowball effect. Is it seems impossible, but again, for me, the first hurdle is we need a candidate who is popular, popular enough. Again, someone like Bernie Sanders, if he w- wouldn't just keep selling out to the Democrats, but someone like him with high name ID but wants to run independent, he would automatically qualify to be on the debate stage in a general election. And then if we can yeah. get an independent candidate who's talking about populist policies, talking about, mm-hmm. you know, living wage and giving everyone health care and taking the power back from these monopolies and from big business and putting it into the hands of the working class. If you can get a real populace on the stage, who are the people going to pick? You know, when you get 50 million, 40 million people watching the, the debate and finally they have someone who's speaking to them and to their issues and not these two candidates. I mean, the debates against Biden and Trump in 2020, it was like watching wrestling. It was ridiculous. It was a, you could tell it was just a, it was a facade. It was an illusion. It's, it's, it was a sham. Neither, neither one cares about us. And so I just think well, that's that why, that's why it's, like, it's for example, one step Jesse. at a time. It's like finding someone who can do it, who's popular enough. 
uh, that can get us on the debate stage, and then you can really shake things up. But I agree with you that we have to do it on the local level as well. And the only thing I would push back at what you said is, while the Republicans for the last 50 years have been building power uh, and have been saying and fighting to overturn Roe v. Wade, the problem we have in this country is the Democrats have not been fighting for the last 50 years to codify reproduction, reproduction rights. You know, the Democrats for the last 50 years have been fundraising uh, off the pain of marginalized people and fundraising off of women's rights and fundraising off of civil rights and LGBTQ rights and, and using the pain of marginalized people to raise money so that they can go get power and then rig the system even more for their corporate donors. So this idea that we're ever going to get anywhere by voting for a Democratic Party that literally exists to empower and embolden the Republican Party is just blasphemy. So I just – when you finally wake up and see the Democrats for what they are, you see that there is no path forward if people keep voting for Democrats. There's just not. Like we could actually have – get somewhere if we had a real – left party that would actually oppose the republicans and actually would fight back against republicans but you can't live in a country where you have two major parties that both represent wall street and both represent big business right one party at least has to represent the working class has to represent the people and we don't have that and so until we do we have to mount these fights even if that means fighting in a in a battle that most people think is unwinnable Everything is unwinnable until you actually win and do it. Well, well, and in addition, you know, some of these municipal elections, a lot of them are uh, nonpartisan, for example. You don't need a party affiliation. You don't need a party uh, line to run on uh, locally. You know, uh, there's plenty of races that run uncontested where there's only one person in the race. Um, there's, uh, you know, and, and most people and I, I, I think they forget a lot of uh a lot of the last mile of implementation on, uh, you know, a lot of federal spending is at the state level. It is at the local level. And so, you know, having... Yep. It, Especially for, like, know, local police budgets and for uh, school yes. budgets, all at the local well, level. Well, and uh, local, your local prosecutor race could significantly change how, uh, how justice is served in your city. Um, you know, it's, it's astounding. And... You know, if a state is, you know, uh, good, you know, you can implement uh, policies that help get more aid to people. Like there's plenty of states that will take federal federal money for programs like Medicaid um, and they will, you know, make it so onerous. You know, they'll 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 drag their feet or they'll make the process, you know, a nightmare to discourage people from applying. And then when that money just gets, you know, not used and the end of the year rolls around, well, they just move those funds into the general budget. And and, the the Democrats did that very thing. Again, the party that pretends to serve the people uh, in California, where I lived Mm -hmm. for a very long time, which is an which is completely run by Democrats. It's the Democrats have a supermajority in the state legislature. uh, And it almost in the big cities like L.A. and the local governments as well. And uh, the Democrats in California used the federal money that was given to California for COVID and to help people for COVID. They used that and gave it to police. <laughs> these are Democrats making these decisions. So, again, like – and also well, well, compare, that to, compare that to my state. We, we, had the, we did the opposite. We were actually able to get uh, – um, we were able to have a two-week turnaround window. On, on, on the uh, COVID uh, unemployment 
uh, claims. Uh, and throughout the entire pandemic, we had it. We, we, people were able to get replies back within a week or two weeks consistently. I know states like neighboring nearby that, you know, people were waiting for up to a month and a half, two months before they even got a response back from their, from their state agency. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I mean, look at California. They, and my state is Republican state. <laughs> Democrats control California, and Gavin Newsom vetoed ranked choice voting after it, it when it got to his desk. And also, uh, they won't even bring a single payer health care bill to a vote in California. So, this idea again that that that, that a party that pretends to be progressive and, and that pretends to care about people is ever going to mount a serious fight against Republicans and is ever going to fight for the people is is delusional at this point. So that's what we're up against, and I just think it's going to take someone who's bold, who lays out lays out a clear vision, and who unapologetically goes after both of these corrupt parties on a big stage. I think that can have a huge impact, and it can even help uh, direct action. It can it can help. Uh, grassroots movements that, that also need to fight on the ground. I think the most deflating thing that's happened in in what you would call the progressive movement that we don't really have a progressive movement in, in the United States anymore because the Democrats co-opted and killed it. But it's what happened when Bernie ran inside the Democratic Party the last two cycles and, and that all the energy that was given to AOC and the squad. And what have they done with that energy? They've done nothing. They've become Biden apologists and Pelosi apologists. And they've just... You know, they, they won't even fight back against the corrupt Democratic establishment. So I just think it's so ridiculous that you have organizations that call themselves progressive from move on to even the DSA who just continue to apologize for uh, and funnel more people into the corrupt Democratic Party and act like it's progressive because they give nice speeches and say the right things sometimes. It doesn't matter what you say. It matters what you do. And what you do is you help Wall Street and you don't help the working class. And you help the military industrial complex and you start proxy wars and you fund proxy wars in Ukraine when you should be ending homelessness in the United States. Like the Democrats are a disaster from 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 top to bottom. I just don't see how so much energy is still spent trying to think we can save or reform or or have any change that's fundamental coming from that party. Hey, Thomas, just a quick question. If you know, if you could snap your fingers and you'd have an ideal dream ticket, what would your ticket look like for president and vice president? That's a good question. Uh, well, darn, that's that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> Not to put uh, you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe a, a Jesse Ventura Cornell West ticket. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I, I, it, uh, you know, in the case of Jesse, I mean, it, it's a shame that he decided to like kind of toy with the idea of a of a candidacy at the last minute with the greens after they had half already held all their state you know their state primaries right um uh, you know so that wasn't going to happen but you know with the way he was you know polling and whatnot he would have been able to get into that debate stage had he been on a party line and so you know i just think uh you know and he's had six you know he, he was a governor you know an independent who got in as a governor he he was one of the few that made it through the uh through the hoops and and got in the office and so i think you know that uh that adds some credibility um to a campaign if he were to mount it so no i i, I, I like I that a lot for that ticket 
I just, you know, we, we talk a lot about, we need a strong candidate with name recognition to run third party. And like, it's, it's just like, I keep trying to run through my mind thinking of, okay, who are people that I, I think ideologically I agree with that have name recognition that would have the guts to do this. And it's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of thinking and not a lot of me coming up with the answers. So I was just curious, you know, and I think that's a, a great ticket. And if anyone else who's listening wants to call in or, or in the chat, let us know what you, what your like dream ticket would be. I think it's good to, to, not just thinking hypothetical, uh, you know, someone important, someone big would run. Like, let's, let's see this vision through. Like, let's, let's take it seriously enough that we, we say, you know, here's an actual name. Here's someone I could get behind. And, and what would this, what would this look like if, if we were trying to make it come to fruition? Because again, I, I will never argue that a Democrat or Republican is going to be the way to save things. It's just a matter of like me trying to figure out what's the best way we can do this. And, you know, I do think, local elections, state elections are very important. It just very much feels like if if that's what it's going to take to parlay that into, well, you're not necessarily going to win the first local election you run. So it might take a few election cycles to get there. And then from there to get to like a, you know, a state senator will take you a little bit of time. And then once you're a state senator, then maybe you're talking about a congressional run for House of Representatives. You know, it, it just seems like it's going to take yeah, but at see, least 20, 30 years. And so we should have started years ago. Back. You're right. But we're not in a moment like that anymore. We're at a, a breaking point. Like I, like I said earlier in the show, the, the, the Republican party completely got rid of the Whig party in two election cycles. Done, gone, kaput history. Like we are in a moment where people are desperate for change. People People are – I mean we, we have the, – the conditions in this country just keep getting worse. I mean I was, I was telling my partner yesterday like it doesn't ma- – like t- take away your feelings for – take personalities out of it. Like this country is worse off today with Biden as president than it was with Trump. The economy is worse. The, the funding – the military budget is higher. We've given more money to police. Like – Things the country is in a worse state. Uh, wages are not keeping up with the, with the cost of living crisis. The housing crisis is worse. The climate crisis is worse. You know, in every part of the country, things are worse. And so we're going to need bold, like something's just going to happen in a big way. And either it's going to come from people protesting on the street, or if it's going to happen electorally, like it could happen. It just again, it has to be the right person. It has to be. You know, but I, but I do, you're, we don't have 20, 30 years. So I just think it's important, you know, sometimes in history, things happen really fast. Sometimes they happen really slow, but I don't think we're in a moment in history where the system as is, is going to sustain itself. There is going to be change one way or the other. It's either going to be really ugly or, 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 you know, maybe a candidate will come along, but I just don't think that these two parties are going to get away with this for much longer. That's just my thoughts. I think that we're going to read. I, I would hope so. But you know, the, the frustrating you thing, to think revolutionary, you can't think like, you know, that's how people think like, Oh, it's going to take this. It's gonna take... No, like when people want change, we have to show them a path. We have to find, like we have to blaze that trail and, and understand that like, as it gets momentum, I mean, look how fast Bernie's campaign took off. Again, he did so much right. The one thing he did wrong is he ran a campaign inside of a party that doesn't want change. 
Well, the other thing wrong he did was continue to think that capitalism is sustainable. I mean, like that's or running that's, a capitalist party. <laughs> the Democratic Party is a capitalist party. It's never going to not be a capitalist party. I, like, I just it frustrates me so much to see the only people with any actual like uh, gumption, might I say, look look at these fucking right wing lunatics that like show up, they mass mobilize, they're armed to the teeth, and and guess what, like police leave them alone they get to do whatever they want they get to intimidate they show up to fucking school board meetings making parents feel unsafe and then what happens they get their ideology passed so i'd love to see the left and not the democratic party but like the actual left like take some fucking charge do something big and splashy and the other thing too is like there's so many people I think that could caught, get caught up in what's legal versus what's moral and ethical. And they're like, well, you know, I would love to do it. And if it becomes legal, then absolutely I'll fight back in this way. But like, shit, that's not how anything fucking works. That's not how we've gotten, you know, rights for marginalized people in the past. And it, it just, it sickens me that we can have on January 6th, a bunch of fucking absolute morons charging the, ca- the capital for the dumbest thing you ever fucking heard. And it's like, where's that energy from people on the left storming the Capitol for Medicare for all, storming the Capitol for guaranteed housing, storming the Capitol to make sure that, like, there's free meals in every school so kids don't go hungry? Like, there is so little empathy in people. And then the people who are empathetic have just defanged themselves. And it's like, at a certain point, I would like to see the left fight. And fighting doesn't always mean voting. Voting is a a small part of that. Yes, you don't want to concede, but, like, let's actually actually do something to where the people in power might fear for a little bit that holy shit they're bringing a ruckus and like you know they they feel so insulated and part of that is these massive police budgets massive military budgets surveillance that's just run amok and, and it makes it hard to do these things but like it's just it it really bothers me that the only people that actually want to fight and like actually maybe give up a little bit of blood are the dumbest right right wing reactionaries. Like these are not the people who should be like, ah, oh God, they're awful in every way. I just I but they got that fight. They got a little bit of that dog in them. And and I haven't seen people on the left willing for the most part. I mean, there's some, but it's very small for me, people. You're hitting on a key point in our politics. I think one of the one of the big issues, though, is that when you have a party that says it represents the left, it, like the Democrats, when you have weak leadership that doesn't fight, you know, that kind of sets the tone for, for everyone else. I mean, look at the Republicans. You're, they, they unapologetically fight for their agenda. I might disagree with their agenda, but they fight for it. And they actually, you know, they actually implement the, the policies that their voters want. Look at the Democratic leadership. They don't fight for anything. They don't fight for anything that their voters want. I shouldn't say that. They actually, the Democrats fight, they, but they fight for their corporate donors. You know, they fight to kick third party party candidates off ballots. They fight against uh, any even mild progressives in their party that aren't even a threat to the status quo, like like AOC and the Squad. I mean, they'll fight against them, but they won't actually uh, mount a fight for the people. So I think that's part of it. But the other thing I think is important, and this is this is very. You know, this is a controversial opinion, which I think is ridiculous, um, but I don't give a shit. I'll say it anyways, is, you know, I am a leftist. I, I believe in, in, in you know, I, I'm not a capitalist. I believe that we need we need to completely 
uh, shift our society away from uh, an economy that just puts profits over people and puts corporate greed over human need. And we need to shift into a human-centered economy, into an economy that is about sustainability and about uh, you know uh, preserving our resources and and putting that puts people over profits. But with that said, I think that this whole left-right divide is exactly what the oligarchs and, and the ruling class in this country wants because it keeps people divided. At the end of the day, I think that the 99% agrees on a lot more issues and, and has a lot more of the same problems than the 1% of the country does. So I think it is important to start to build coalitions and movements that are encompassing of the entire working class. Like maybe there are people who voted for Republicans in the past who don't actually don't actually realize it, but like they don't want to live in a capitalist oligarchy. They don't want to have all of their paycheck being exploited and going up to their boss. Like they want to work and they want to earn the fruits of their labor. Like they want, they don't want their labor and, and the, and the wealth that, that, that their labor creates. They don't want that to be redistributed to the billionaire class. I would gather that most of them want to actually uh, that would want all of the wealth of the fruits of their labor. Well, that is the essence of socialism. It's just been demonized for the last hundred years. So I don't think we should write off anyone. I think we need to be, I think we need to have these conversations and understand that for me, the only people I've written off are the people who, st who stab me in the back and who stab the left in the back and have for the last 50 years. And that's the democratic party. I well, I'll, I'll write off the people that stabbed me from the front as well. We well, can we can write fine, off both. But <laughs> yes, I mean, I don't, again, I don't like the people who stabbed me in the front, but I, 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 I would much rather be stabbed in the front than stabbed in the back. Like, I would much rather know who my enemy is and have them tell me they're my enemy than have someone pose as my friend and then betray me over and over and over again. So I just don't get how more people who call themselves left or Democrats or socialist or whatever, or liberal, how they can continue to support a party that stabs us in the back and betrays us over and over again. Like I once, I just don't understand that. Like I would much rather deal with Republicans than deal with Democrats. I feel like even when Trump was president, we had all the same issues. The kids were in cages. The wars were continuing. The economic inequality was continuing, but at least there was more protests now that all the same injustice is happening, you've got 80% of liberals who are just fucking back to brunch and don't give a shit because they think that Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi are actually working for them and actually care about the people. So I think in many ways the Democrats are more dangerous than the Republicans. At least we had quote-unquote resistance when Trump was in office. Now it's like, it's, it's like this false sense of hope that, that, that these people have, and I just don't understand it. So I, I really, in my heart of hearts... If you want progress in this country, I think if you could choose, if you could choose to destroy one party, the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, and which would result in, in a more net positive change over the long run, it's the Democratic Party. Destroy it, and so then we can actually have a real left party. But if you got rid of the, the Republican Party, the Democrats will just move further right. That's all they do. They talk left and then move right. You know, and so I just I don't see a path with with how things are shaking now. The Democrats got to go. I just don't see it any other way. Yeah, I mean, again, I know I've said this many times and like I'm actively going to grad school for it, but education is key. Like the, the problem is so many people don't vote for Democrats. 
Democrats because they love Democrats. It's because they're terrified of Republicans, right? And they, they get their, their – they work all fucking week. They're exhausted. They say, oh, my attempt to stay informed, I'll watch local news or I'll watch CNN an hour a day or an hour a week. It doesn't matter. Where they go to get their information is just so – it's full of corporate extremism, and there is no alternative method of, hey, here's actually why uh, aspects of socialism and communism would would be extremely beneficial for the masses in, in America, but they don't want to fucking hear that. And so, you know, every day I'm at work, I'm always preaching to my coworkers about the importance of unions, about, you know, this is why communism is a lot more, um, you know, based in empathy and community and helping others it's less about individualism this is why you know you're fucking exhausted you're tired you feel like no one's here to save you and to help you in the united states and you're not wrong and it doesn't have to be that way but like at the end of the day it takes courage but it also takes some some education to know that like a better way is possible. It takes education to show the path that we're on is not sustainable. There are people that think as long as things are good in the United States, everything's good. And it's like, no, global South still being exploited. Nope. We're still the worst climate uh, contributor in the world. Nope. None of this is sustainable. And, and it's like, oh, all these things, you're having supply shortage issues. Oh, we're seeing inflation. Yeah, that's bad. I feel really bad for a lot of working class Americans that are dealing with this for the first time. But I also know that like other countries deal with this constantly because of what the United States exports in, in terms of imperialism, in terms of raping and pillaging the global south and setting up proxy wars and funding coups and color revolutions. Like it's, it's important. Everyone needs to start somewhere, but like the, the understanding that we are not just a country, it's like, this is a global thing. And like, if our economy is kicking nice, but you know, climate change makes it so there's not enough food in the world, like we're all fucked because of that. And, and just being willing to try to educate people as much as possible, anyone who will listen, try to get them to think outside the box, try to get them to just question everything. I'm not saying only question Democrats and not Republicans or only question Republicans and not Democrats. Question everyone. Question me. Question what I say. Question where I'm sourcing my information from. This is the basis of thinking for yourself and standing up for yourself and not just letting other people inform you. You can try to inform yourself by collecting news from all these different sources, but if you don't have a critical eye and you don't understand that like hey these people that are reporting on this are actually they're ex-lobbyists like that that'll give me a huge grain of salt on how valid i think that information is yep uh let's go let's hear from amanda amanda how's it going no it's going pretty good i just got something caught in my throat as soon as i went to unmute (laughs) excuse me um i i i i feel you i and I just offer, I think I know why people don't leave the Democrats. It, it's the same reason they don't, they, they don't do anything else. There's no place else for them to go but Republicans. And because we've been trained to hate the other side, well, if part of my identity is not liking Republicans because I'm a Democrat, then I have to change two things about me. I'm no longer a Democrat and I no longer hate Republicans. Now I'm on their side. That seems like a real bridge too far, you know? So not having any good place to land, ranked choice voting could have got us, gotten us there here in California, as you were saying. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of ways to get there. 
and and having more than two parties is is critical. Frankly, if you just look at at domestic policy and what actually happened under the Republican Trump administration versus the Biden administration, I think you'd be hard pressed to say that people were worse off under either one. Nobody's getting any love right now, you know? That's right. So why would we send anybody back who was going there, who's already there? Not a single one of them seemed to to stand up to say anything, not even Barbara Lee anymore. Everybody's voting to send money to Ukraine. You know, I've been, I I live in the Bay Area. Barbara Lee's um, not in my uh, district. She's the one right next to me. Um, But I've been so disappointed with her. She's mine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm over in El Cerrito. So, um, but it was so frustrating. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, seeing her going to Ukraine and meeting with Zelensky yeah. and, and it's yeah. just, I feel over the past couple of years, what was once like a champion of the anti-war movement, like what we could turn yeah. to and say a true progressive, one of the good ones is constantly mm-hmm. showing all these signs of like, oh, that's some questionable choices. And when she supported Kamala Harris, I get she's from California. I, I get it. But like at the same time, if you were truly yeah, no. quote a progressive, you would have backed right. the more progressive candidate. And so I've been really disappointed in, in her. And, you know, uh, part of that is also coming to terms with the fact that the Congressional Progressive Caucus is an absolute joke, that there's no right. requirements for being a part of it. You can just call yourself that, say, say you join know. their caucus. and Exactly. So Who's I'm, I'm with you whenever I hear Amanda, Barbara Lee. I, think, I want to go back to what you said. I think you, you hit a sure. really key point when you first uh, – the first point you made when you said that, you know – well, well, when you're a Democrat, you're you're taught that you know your identity is wrapped up in in hating the other side and vice versa. And I think, you know that. And so it's like if you, well, if I'm not a Democrat anymore, then then you know, I'm, but I'm supposed to hate the Republicans. They're the bad guys, and the Republicans tell their base the same thing, right? I mean, each party essentially exists to tell the other side that 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 they're the problem, and you need to hate them. Uh, while really, like you also pointed out, both parties. Don't work for the people. They keep rigging the system against us. They're working for the ruling class. They're working for their corporate donors. Um, so I think it's it's a, it's very important to understand that that like they pit us against each other, so that while we're fighting each other, they can just keep rigging the system against us. And 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 so well, we won't fight for something better. So we'll just feel like that this is all we can do. And um, you know, I think that that's sad. You know, I, I was a Democrat for 18 years. I used to think that I used to hate Republicans as well. And I'll be honest, mm-hmm. like, I don't ha- I don't hate really anyone anymore because I understand yeah, no. that, like, the problem is the system. Like, it's, yes. it's both parties are corrupt because they both support this decrepit capitalist and imperialist system that just funnels as much money as possible up to the to the rich and to the ruling class. That's literally pretty much the bedrock of american society it exists to exploit labor and and to wage endless wars throughout the world to to funnel as much money as possible up to the ruling class up to the united states ruling class to the u.s oligarchs and so we have to stop hating the other side i mean we have to get to a point where like when you said that i thought like you know i mean just because you vote differently than me you're still a human being like we have to start connecting with each other as as humans, as people on this planet, all trying to just find our way. And I think the, at the end of the day, like, 
I, we know that Democrats and Republicans in Washington don't have the solution because we know right. that they are the problem and, and that their They've solution to everything yeah. is just to help the rich and to help enrich themselves and to use our government to to enrich themselves and enrich their donors. But I also think that, like most of us, don't really have the solution either. I think we're trying to figure it out. And I think in order to get there, we have to work together. And I think we have to set aside some of our differences. And even me, you know, I consider myself very left. But I'm willing to talk to Republicans like my partner and I, I, we moved to the East Coast. We are in a predominantly Republican state. And it's been so eye opening for me to move from, you know, Los Angeles to to where I am now. And and Mm -hmm. what's most eye opening, actually, is that, you know, L.A. is seen as, oh, it's so liberal. It's so well, in many ways, like it's actually more predatory and more capitalist than where I'm at now. In a Republican sure. state, because everything here is like half the price and, right. you know, things are cheaper and people, there's not as much traffic. It's more sustainable just because it, everyone's not so crowded and everyone's not sitting in an hour and a half of traffic and spending $7 a gallon on gas. And, you know, so it's just, it's interesting. And, and also like, although I disagree with a lot of my neighbors, they've been kind and they haven't judged me in the way I, ways I thought, you know, being gay and living in a Republican state. And yes, I know that, you know, I, maybe I, I, I'm more, you know, anyways, I, I have very I, I recognize my privilege and that I'm I don't maybe look gay and I'm, I, I'm white. But at the end of the day, my point is, is that I, I think all these differences that we're taught or all these ways what we're taught to hate each other and divide each mm-hmm. other. I think yeah. we've got to start coming to the other side of that and start looking for ways to come together and, and not ways to separate ourselves. Because if we ever want a system that works for all of us, it's going to take all of us and it's going to take not hating uh, someone who maybe thinks differently than we do, trying to see their side. So I have two things that I want to say. One that's kind of just a, a a theory of mine that I haven't even said out loud once yet. And I'm going to start with that one, which is which is one of the things we have to remember is that all those people in D.C., whether they're lobbyists or representatives or even the stupidest of stupid Nancy Pelosi's, all of those human beings are also human beings that in the system of the federal government and being a representative, especially the system as it's been twisted and gnarled around over the years, mm. they're in a daily grind to get everything done that they have to get done. And what if it isn't really that there's this big master plan to keep the little people down and it's just everybody's running ragged to keep all of those couple of rich people where they are and and funnel the rest of it up because that is happening. And I'm not saying that Nancy Pelosi is not complicit and not even possibly causing some of the issues, which she clearly seems to be. But, I mean, she's got a really grueling day in front of her as well. and And she ends up... She should not be in that position after how many years she's been there. But the people of San Francisco keep electing her because the system is the way that the system is, right? It's, it's just yeah. not it, – it, it, I'm not defending at all because it's screwed up. This is not the country any of us were brought up to believe that we lived in, right? I don't think it is. No, I would agree. I would. So, I, I think you're hitting. I mean, I, I, they are human beings. The only thing I would push back on and say is that I have a hard time. If 
finding the humanity in people who are not uh, who are betraying humanity and who are not seeing the humanity uh, yeah. and the people that they let down every day with the policies they're passing. I mean, Nancy yeah. Pelosi, her I, I know some of the people who work for Nancy Pelosi and mm-hmm. the chi- her chief of staff sat down and told the giant the CEOs of the giant insurance companies. This mm-hmm. was a few years ago. Everyone can go look this up. Her chief of staff told the, the CEO of, one of, the, of, of some of the, the biggest uh, predatory insurance companies who are denying claims and who profit off of our sickness and suffering. She mm-hmm. told these CEOs, oh, don't worry about this, all this push for Medicare for all from Bernie. The Democrats will never pass Medicare for all. You keep giving us money. We're not going to pass a single payer health care. That's what her chief of staff told the CEO of one of the biggest insurance companies. So you're you're right. They are human beings. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is a human being. Mitch McConnell is a human being. But in a system that screws up, they're in a a corrupt system. I think maybe they don't. I I think that they don't. I think they lack courage. I think. But I, I think at the end of the day, when you get there and you see how corrupt the system is, there's only so many excuses we can make for them before it's like yes. you're not you have no courage where and then not only that they don't have courage, their courage turns into complicity and turns into corruption. When Nancy Pelosi's been there for almost three decades and she right. continues to, you know, stop progress. She right. continues to use identity politics and use, you know, pander to marginalized communities to and say we care about you, but actually doesn't actually help them in any material way. With but there's no threat to up. deposing her. You can't get her out of office, right? Because the San Francisco yeah. people keep yeah. electing Cause, her. Because the, the, the Democratic Party has co-opted uh, the left, right. and they have defanged the left in this country. And it, it, it is it, – it is, I appreciate I, the I pushback is, on that, for sure. I yeah. appreciate that no, pushback. No, but you bring up a good point. I would say that, for me, where most of the pressure comes from is, from, is, is the big business and, and, the, and the billionaire class who can really control our politicians. I think that they really put the, the clamps down, and I think that most of the politicians are just there working to serve them, who, 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 gives, who gives them money. I mean, they, they literally right. exist to represent the, the rich. And so, but, then, but then, again, after 30 years, Nancy Pelosi is worth $140 million dollars. Right. Like she's just as complicit as McConnell. So it's it's I just don't think we're going to get anywhere if we make excuses for them anymore. You know, I think we have to be apologetic about their corruption. And I think the way they 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 just blame the other side. They absolutely do. And it's always that that, you know, projection thing. The other thing I wanted to say is I think the left needs to get better about coalition building for specific issues so oh, so you get together with you get the ac you get the strange bedfellows that say right now are working for jail abolition or a reduction in the mass incarceration right you've got the religious leaders you've got people on the right that want to reduce the amount of money we're spending on prisons you've got the prison abolitionists on the left who believe mass incarceration is another Jim Crow or extension of slavery. And all those people are working in coalition on that one issue. They don't talk about other issues where they don't, where they don't agree. So you have to learn to build groups of, of groups of people and building coalitions among groups of people that have various different views about the same thing, like you could, you might be in coalition with somebody about jail abolition who's also a pro-lifer. 
but you put that issue aside while you're doing the jail abolition because it's more important what that one issue goal is. But if you can't build coalitions of people so that you can pull voters from everybody, you won't ever pull enough voters from the two main parties to make a difference. I don't think. Yeah, I think that's a great opinion. point. I think, and I think at the end of the day, like who, everyone, nobody agrees with everyone on everything. I mean, that's kind of the point, right? That right. we all, you know, that's what makes us all individual. That's what makes us human. We all have different thoughts, different ideas. I think that focusing on policies, uh, like you're saying, like, people that want, you know, guaranteed health care and, and fight for Medicare for all. I think focusing on policies instead of politicians, instead of political parties, I think fighting for policies that benefit the, the, the masses is a much better path um, than focusing on the politicians, on the personalities. I think that, you know, mo these two parties, they get their power from just keeping us distracted and fighting over, oh, my God, Nancy Pelosi did this and said this. Donald Trump said this. All these kind of frivolous things when we're not focusing on the meat and potatoes, which are policies that can really benefit people's lives and change people's lives. So I think you bring Amen. up a great point. I think policy centered movements. I think movements should always be about policies. They should never be about politicians and they should never put politicians uh, ahead of the policies that you're supposed to be fighting for. That, yeah, that is such a progressive viewpoint. And I'm so glad to be in conversation with you this afternoon. Thank you for taking oh, my thank call. You for, thank you for listening, Amanda. You brought up great points. Thank you for calling. Sure. Have a good evening. Uh, Rob, what do you, oh, does Thomas want to come back? Is he back in the queue? He's back in the queue, so let's see if he if he's got something to say. Uh, hey, hey. Uh, so uh, you were talking about uh, you know the Whigs uh, sweeping to power quickly. Uh, you know uh, we've got an example in the past you know decade in our south of our border, Morena. Um, That's right. So uh, they were able to uh, sweep uh, into uh, sweep races in all three levels of government. Uh, in a four-year period and but it took them putting together a coalition of uh, a very diverse uh set of uh uh you know uh groups uh politically but they were able to mobilize all of them together and get them to uh fight the two establishment parties most people don't realize uh mexico is a uh you know it, it's a multi-state uh union just like us uh, it is, you know, it has had a two-party duopoly with nearly as onerous uh, as requirements as us, and they've had it for nearly as long as us. And and so, you know, the fact that they were able to do that and they were able to sweep all three levels uh, in in a four-year period is, you know, it's astounding. Uh, Podemos is another example uh, in. Uh, uh, Spain, for example, where you had, again, you had these two deeply long entrenched, uh, parties, uh, that, you know, ended up, uh, you know, uh, a third party ended up breaking in. And it's actually now caused, you know, one of their, uh, uh, I think the, what was it? The conservative party ended up breaking up into two. And so now they're, they're, now they're in a, uh, you know, they, they have a four party structure now, basically in their, in their political landscape in Spain. And again, Podemos, did it in a, a very short period too. So if at the end of the day, you know, if, if we're able to, uh, you know, 
if we can get people motivated and we can get them to, to really turn out, you know, it can be done. It can be done. These are real life examples with very, very similar situations to our political landscape here that we're able to do it in a very short period of time. It's not something far flung 200 years ago. These are things that have happened in the past 10 years. So Thomas, so. I have a question for you. Um, right, what do you now. think, what do you think that, like we can look at and say this is where they were successful, where we've hit walls. Like what what have been the the key differences that allowed them to in such a short amount of time do that? Do you think it has something to do with like the the people, whether it comes from their lack of the same level of corporate media? Is it the structure of their government, the ways in which it's it's set up so it's easier for these big swings of power? Is it that there's not as much institutionalized mm-hmm. Uh, power for them to push back against uh, a new party being formed? Like, why Why do you think they were able to be successful in such a short amount of time? And could we replicate the same way? Are there certain uh, barriers that would keep us like, well, they don't have the judges that would be able to do X, Y, Z that we've seen here, like kicking um, candidates off of ballots or, or whether it's like just the, you know, the one thing, my fiance went to grad school for public policy for a little bit. And she said it's astounding that all 50 states have like 50 different ways of running things. Even just job titles are completely different. There's not any standardization at the state level, and that leads to a lot of chaos and confusion. Is that something that might be a barrier? Like, I guess what I'm asking is, why haven't we been successful when other countries have been? Well, well, you know, again, well, but it, it's only been to the, you know, until recent that we've seen you know, some of these successes. So it's not like, you know, it's, uh, how do I put this? Um, in the case of Mexico, for example, um, they, again, they have a, they're a multi-state union, just like us. They have the same issues we face in terms of each state's laws are different, you know, than, 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 you know, there is no like federal standard in, in a lot of cases. And so, it's not, uh, you know, some of those same situations they faced as well, too. Uh, I have no doubt that they had to deal with, you know, uh, the judges and the courts. You know, part of the half the reason why the Green Party gets knocked off so easily, uh, you know, in uh, in the U.S. in a lot of places because they go for candidate ballot access under under a green uh, under a green name rather than necessarily getting party access, you know, several years in advance. Um, so they, you know, in some cases they'll, they'll run candidates in states where that's, that can be done and you just need a designation. They'll run candidates, you know, right, you know, they'll, they'll start working on getting their ballot access for that candidate right before the, right before the race. And the problem is, is if you're doing it that late, then you're going to ultimately run into the issue with the, uh, you know, the, 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 the courts coming in and lawsuits and other things like that and all that occurring with not enough time to spare for you to be able to get, you know, make it, you know, make it through that hoop and get onto the ballot. And so if you get ballot access, you know, let's say two, three years before that, then, you know, there's a lot more time for the, you know, for you to defend and lock down that access, um, against potential lawsuits and things before you get to, you know, at, before you have to run somebody. Um, but that aside, um, you know, it's for I, I actually talked to somebody who's been shadowing Morena 
uh, in, uh, in, uh, Mexico. And they're, they've gone with, uh, you know, uh, activists with Morena into, uh, you know, these rural villages. Um, he's actually a really good guy. He's, his name's Andrew on, on Colin here. Um, and he, he hosts a couple rooms. Uh, he'll talk in all kinds of rooms. Um, but he's actually been down there with Morena. And, and, you know, what, what he said was, is they go, they will, it, they just don't wait for people to come to them. They go to the people. And so they will be out there knocking doors and they'll be going into these, you know, traditionally conservative areas. They'll be going, you know, into these rural villages and things and they will be knocking on doors and they'll be asking, okay, what, what problems are you facing? And then they'll try to, you know, come to some solutions with these people. They'll, they'll say, Hey, we're not just going to, you know, we're, we're, we want to hear what's wrong in your, when your community, what's wrong with you, what are the challenges you're facing? And then here's what we can do to help you. Um, and that, that, you know, sincerity gets to a lot of people from what I'm, from what I've been told and, and being able to, you know, just go out there. So, I mean, how many people, you know, go out of their comfort element and go into, you know, these, these deep red areas in the center of our country, in the heartland and, and actually ask, what are the issues you're facing? You know, who's, who's been door knocking, you know, in, uh, in, in the rural mountains of West Virginia. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, we have to get out of our comfort zone and talk to uh, people all over the spectrum. Um, you know, that's the one thing I the issue I think that we on the left have is that we, uh, you know, we, we, we get a tad too complacent in our own bubble and we don't talk yep. to other people, you know. And because, like, for example, my, my home state here in Ohio, you know, everybody would just a lot of people just assume, especially people who have been in the democratic the democratic party sphere of influence you know people who have been democratic voters or have come from there you know they may be progressives now or they may and they may consider themselves on the left now but they at one time they came from the democrat you know they were voting in the democrats or their parents did or whatever and they come with this uh, already ingrained bias that you know everybody here in ohio is just this is just trump magaland and it you know and that everybody hears it you know as clinton i think what it was clinton that said it deplorables and that, you know, I, I don't if you ask me in terms of how I see things on the lay of the land here, being living here and having family that voted for Trump, I'll tell you right now, it wasn't because they voted for Trump. They voted against Clinton. Uh, NAFTA is a swear well, word. Newsflash. You, you, don't build, you don't build movements by calling people deplorable. Like, I know. If, you know, you don't. That's not. But, 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 but I see that on the yeah. left. I see yeah, people no, you're right. on the no, left. That, people do parroting it. that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's I I believe that we need to build coalitions and talk to everyone. Yeah. And I think one thing I would say to Rob, the yeah. reason it's not happening here, we're not people aren't trying. Like when you yeah. see the poll that says that 92 percent of Democrats will vote for Biden, even though they don't really want him to run, but they'll still vote for him. That tells you that, like, Rob, you were saying earlier. People on the left are, are weak. They're not fighting. Like th- what scares me is that, that, that liberals and Democrats, they're so scared and they're, they, 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 they continue to back down to the Democratic Party that like we're closer in this country. If there's going to be a third party, it'll probably come from the right because they at least fight. They know what they want and they fight and they'll do it. Whereas the left they organize too. How are, yeah, how are we going to have a third party when 92% of people will vote for Biden even though they don't like him? Like where's the courage? Like until the left shows some courage. The only people who call themselves left that I see ha- that have courage 
are people like Chris Hedges and Shama Savant. They have been calling for a mass exodus and for a dem exit for years now. Nobody else. Bernie Sanders, forget about it. AOC, forget about it. All these progressive organizations, forget about it. They've become Democratic Party apologist organizations. Like they don't. That's not going to you don't. How are we going to get a third party or a better party if everyone is still thinking that the Democrats are viable or that, that you can change them? So like that for me, that's the number one issue. That's what's stopping us from having a better party is that people are still cowering and 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 falling for the Democratic Party. That's it. That's the issue. If well, all of a sudden everyone falling, breaks away, that gives too. us the energy to build a, build an option to build a party. But we don't even have the energy right now because it's still being filtered into the Democrats. Well, and they're by they're they're falling for the the biases of the Democratic Party too. That's the thing. Like it it that's just my opinion. I've I've seen I've seen these left spaces where they're talking about and they talk about you know my area. But I mean, the, Ohio is the seventh largest state in the country. We have some of the, uh, you know, low, uh, the standard of living is actually pretty decent here, considering, you know, our, our prices for things are half the price. Um, you know, we and, and, and you know, people, people, uh, you know, act like, you know, I, I've talked to people who are from, you know, New York or they're from L.A. And they they're like, oh, well, this is flyover country. This is this yep. is you're all just a bunch of rednecks. It's I hate to say it. It's dismissive. Yeah, I see, it's, one, one of the things that woke yeah. me up is. I see so many liberals posting things on, on Facebook, friends I went to college with. They'll post something like, oh, look at all the most uneducated states in the, in the country are all red states. Mm-hmm. Like, why would anyone ever want to vote for you or, or, or be associated with you if you're calling them uneducated and ignorant? Like, yep. there's, this, there's this pretentiousness. There's this elitism, really, that, that – Filters through the Democratic Party and through many liberals in this country who are comfortable and and they don't see it again. When I was part of the Democratic Party, I didn't see it because you're so in it that you don't actually see it for what it is. And you're constantly fed these messages like, oh, no, this is a battle between good and evil. And you're on the side of good. You know, they make they, they try to make it seem like, no, like the Democrats are not on the side of good. They are on the side of corporate America. They are on the side of Wall Street. They're not they're not good. And so this is the traps we fall in. And then they turn their nose up at people in red states and say, oh, everyone's uneducated in rednecks. Like that's not going to get us to a state where like if you're really a socialist, you believe in health care for everyone, even in red states. Yes, of course, in red states. If you believe in that, you believe in better education in red and blue states. Like that's what hum- we have to get to a humid centered form of politics where we're not just mm-hmm. dividing us into red and blue and Democrat, Republican and smart and not smart. And and so I just I, there is there's this elitism that filters through the Democratic Party that most Democrats do not see. Well, and then here we have a long tradition here of and Kentucky, too, and other states, you know, people are like Kentucky. That's a red state. Actually, it was a blue state for a long time. Um but 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 here uh, in Ohio we have a long populist tradition. This is a populist state that has been known to pass populist policy over the decades. And it doesn't matter if a Republican was in office or a Democrat was in office. There's still a, a populist tinge to the to the politics here, and always has been. And so this is ripe ground. You know, for, for the Midwest has always been a populist a, agrarian heartland, and so. 
this is the area that people need to talk to. I, I, it's in my, my yeah. well, people want policies that benefit, that help them. Yeah. You know, yeah. they want policies that are going to make their lives better. And then you had Democrats like Bill Clinton with NAFTA who just that mm-hmm. decimated the Rust Belt. You know, it's so a like, swear word out here. Yeah, there, there are. I mean, the Democrats were very much part of the reason that, that the Rust Belt turned red because they literally shipped the, the manufacturing jobs overseas. So it's our politics are a lot more complicated than than, you know, people think. And especially, you know, I mean, the entire one of the most dangerous things about our politics right now is that. People think that the problem, especially liberals, well, only liberals, they think that every problem in America will be solved if Donald Trump goes to jail. That is the most delusional idea imaginable, that every problem in this country is the result of one person, of one corrupt man. No, it's all because of the corrupt system. But this is where Democrats, they get people focused. Oh, no, it's Trump. It's Trump. It's Trump. That's all they fucking talk about. They're going to prosecute him. It'll be the year 2060. He'll be dead, and they're still going to be doing an investigation on him. Like, okay, we get it. He's corrupt. But, like, do you want to look at the actual systemic corruption in the system? Do you want to help people? Or do you want to just sit and point the finger at a boogeyman? But that's all they want to do, and it, and, it, and it really helps the right because you have the Democrats that just want to sit and blame all day, and that's not going to solve our problems either. So, again – we're so far away from anything that's, that, re- that, that resembles dignity and justice for all people in this country. And I just think we got to start working together and stop allowing both parties to divide us. And I think that most of us want we're, – we're a lot more in common than we realize. 99% yep. of the people want pretty much the same things. They want to feel safe. They want, they want good jobs. They want to be paid right. They want health care. They, you know, they want opportunity for themselves and their families. And, uh, you know, they don't want to be ruled by these two parties that want to just help the rich. Like, no, if, if people, when they find out what these parties do, they don't want to be ruled by them. They don't want to be governed by them. Uh, so I think, yeah, if we're ever going to get to another space, it requires uh, actually wanting to work and, and connect with people that maybe we think differently than or voted differently than in the past. Well, and, and out, I'm just saying, uh, you know, I, I've just seen it over the past 10 years. Um, it, it more and more, uh, even just over the past few years, uh, I see more and more people on the right that are, you know, shifting towards that we need universal health care. Yeah, we need, you know, uh, you know, we, we, we need to strengthen uh, Social Security, not, you know, uh, cut it. Um, and I, I see these shifts and it's it's it's, you know, it, it now is the time. Now is the time we have yep. to really we really have to work at building a coalition. Agreed. I mean, the 99% economically, we, you see a lot of these people, they believe in the same kind of populist policies. What the Democrats have do though, is they say they, they use race to divide and they say everyone who voted Republican is a racist. And what finally woke me up and the reason I, I just don't buy that shit anymore. Of course there are racists. I'm not saying they're not, but when you have the Democrats who do nothing for marginalized communities except fundraise off them, like what is more racist than than pandering to marginalized people to get power and using the, their pain to fundraise and then do nothing for them and, and, and then do nothing for them when you actually have power. So like this idea that like we should just buy this narrative uh, of, 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 
of the Democrats' narrative, they want us to be separated. They want us to be divided on these things. We need to be building coalitions that are broad, that are about giving economic and political power to the 99%, not to the 1%. For me, it is, it, it is top versus bottom. It is, it is ruling class versus working class. It, it, it is the 99% versus the 1%. It is not red versus blue. I'm sorry, it just isn't. Anyways, this is uh, – uh, Rob, uh, do you have any final, final closing thoughts here? And then let's wrap it up. We're over an hour and a half now. Yeah, I just want to thank everyone who's, who's uh, joined us. I know it's been a long – it's already been an hour and a half. One by pretty quickly. But Thank you, Thomas. That was great. Yeah, thank you to, to Thomas and Amanda for, and for Amanda. calling in. Uh, I just – I really keep hoping every day that like, well, today's going to be the day. Today's the day we get over the hump. Today's the day people have, have said we've had enough. And, you know, I, I, I hope it's happening soon because, uh, unfortunately, like the world can't wait. Climate change is here. There's there's like so many things that we can't we can't just put on on hold and say, well, we'll figure it out in another decade or two. So I really hope that everyone just continues to, like, try to do the right thing, to try to argue from positions of good faith. Like we do what we do because we want to help people. We want to make sure that we live in an equitable society, not just in this country, but globally, making sure that exploitation isn't something that that like we look as a positive thing. I mean, the thing just came out saying about like, oh, yeah, in in the state of California, um, prisoners create like eleven billion dollars worth of goods and services and they get paid basically nothing for it. It's like I, I see a, a society filled with exploitation and I just hope that enough people can look at it and see it and say this isn't acceptable, and and we find a way. Let's get creative. Let's let's try to learn from our mistakes so we're not running the same strategy again and again and and failing. And and let's let's make the world a better place for everyone because unfortunately, so much of what happens in America uh, is determining what's happening in the rest of the world. And even you know, even if we get some people that want to help Americans, if they continue to keep pushing for for endless wars overseas if they continue to keep stealing from the global south that's that's not what life's about so um you know let's let's keep fighting and and obviously not give up but let's let's get smart about our fighting and let's win let's start winning ryan how about that (laughs) that's good and and speaking of winning uh next week uh we will be joined by uh matthew hoy uh i think that's how you say his name it's hoy or how um but anyways he is the green party candidate who uh, collected the signatures to get on the ballot in North Carolina, and then the three Democrat electors uh, kicked him off the ballot. He is now suing uh, the suing them and suing North Carolina to be uh, let uh, to be back on the ballot. And uh, we're going to speak with him next week, and definitely want to get his perspective. And uh, he's getting a lot of energy behind him. And and it, I've seen a lot of people. Uh, in fact, DSA. Finally, like they did something awesome. Again, I, I call balls and strikes. I'll give, I will give DSA credit. They just called out the Democratic Party. Uh, they put out a statement saying the Democratic Party is anti-democratic for uh, kicking uh, him off the ballot. So uh, this, again, although it might seem like you know these aren't wins, the more we can expose the corruption of both parties and how both parties are working against us and, 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 and trying to keep it so we can't have – uh, real representation in our government that for me is a win it, it, it's not maybe not the big win yet but it gets us a step closer every person we wake up uh to 
wake up to how corrupt our system is gets us there. So I'm excited to talk with uh, Matthew next week, uh, hear uh, about his fight, hear about the lawsuit, and hear how uh, we can help his efforts and just hear hear from him. So I hope you guys join us uh, next Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, and I hope everyone has a great weekend. And Rob, this has been great. I love the back and forth. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone.